Hi, I'm Ruby Jones, and welcome to 7am's Summer Series, an exploration of big ideas with some of our favourite contributors and thinkers. When we talk about the most significant events of the last year, perhaps the one that will have the biggest impact on humanity actually took place far above the Earth's atmosphere. Up there, in orbit around Earth, is one of the most powerful tools humans have ever had to hunt for the origins of our universe and for alien life. The James Webb Space Telescope has the ability to look so far and with such clarity that we can get an insight into a period of time that our best scientists have only ever speculated about, the cosmic dark ages. Today, Director of the Space Technology and Industry Institute at Swinburne University, Dr Alan Duffy, on why this year marked a new beginning for our understanding of the universe. Alan, in 2021, the James Webb Telescope was launched into space and then six months later it began transmitting images back here to us and these are the most detailed and comprehensive images of space that we've ever seen. So to begin with, can you tell me about just how much of a feat it was getting the telescope out into space and and I guess the footsteps it's following? This is an incredible undertaking, not least of which because the telescope is six and a half meters across mirror uh, is larger than the rocket it launched in so it was launched folded up like a rose and then in space unfurled in a perfect origami like structure to create uh, the mirror and the uh, protective tennis court sized solar shade to keep the whole thing nice and cool and that scale of the telescope the the james webb space telescope or jdub it had to be that big and that uh, expansive because it was the successor to arguably one of the most famous and certainly one of the most productive telescopes in history, the Hubble Space T-minus Telescope. T-minus six, five, four, three, two, one, and liftoff of the Space Shuttle Discovery with the Hubble Space Telescope, our window on the universe. So if we cast our minds back, this was launched in, in 1990, and uh, Binomies was the first telescope in space, but certainly has been, I think, the most famous. And the images uh, coming off that telescope have really become cultural icons. The Hubble telescope has been the greatest telescope since Galileo invented the first one. That has allowed us to really peer back in time near the beginning of the universe, about as far out in space as we can imagine, within a couple hundred million years of the origin of the universe. Images include the planet Jupiter, an array of stars across a wide color range, and stars coming to life in the chaotic Carina Nebula. I had pictures of them on my wall, but maybe that's not surprising. <laughs> I'm an astronomer, but so too did normal people, right? So this is, I think, the, the impact that the Hubble has had. So for a telescope to meet and indeed, of course, surpass the Hubble, it had to be much larger. And in particular, it also had to look at a different kind of light. Uh, Hubble is in the optical. That's the uh, normal uh, kind of light that you and I can see in. When uh, JDub was proposed, the idea was to shift into the infrared. So this is a, a longer kind of wavelength of light. You can see different 
uh, phenomena in the uh, space. You can see further away indeed as well. Uh, but because it's a longer wavelength, to get the same kind of detail, you had to have a much larger mirror. So inevitably, NASA was driven to select an absolutely absurdly sized uh, six and a half meter uh, mirror, folded this thing up. And we have engine start. And liftoff. Decollage, liftoff from a tropical rainforest to the edge of time itself. It launched in uh, December uh, just last year, so this was the ultimate Christmas present. It successfully uh, launched, which was absolutely nerve-wracking for all of us. Separation Webb Space Telescope. Go Webb! The James Webb Space Telescope amidst applause here in the Mission Control Center, now taking its first steps in pursuit of cosmological discovery. And then uh, a mere six months later, the first images have come back and they are magnificent. These are, even just by eye, not no fancy stats, you cannot believe how crisp and sharp and clear the images are. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about them? What is it that we're actually seeing on those images? And, and what was it like for you when you saw some of those first ones come through? Yeah, so the, the first tranche of images have been a really exciting range of targets. We've uh, seen our own solar system, but so too distant alien worlds and uh, even very distant clusters of galaxies. And then behind the cluster of galaxies, you have these tiny little, almost imperceptible red uh, dots th scattered throughout the image. And these are galaxies that are so far away from us that we're seeing them as they were when the light first left, just two or 300 million years after the Big Bang. These are baby galaxies, perhaps the first galaxies ever formed. And we hope in the coming years, we may yet see the first star ever formed in the universe. That is the power of JWST. It just completes our understanding of how our Milky Way galaxy, our sun, and indeed, of course, our own planet and ourselves came to be. It is the uh, the missing years that Hubble didn't quite have the power or the wavelength coverage to allow us to see. J-Dub just gives us that missing piece of our own story. Mm. And in terms of the, I suppose, scientific significance of these images that we've been seeing in the kind of six months or so since they started being transmitted back to us. I mean, how significant are they? And are there any, I suppose, discoveries within that that have really excited the scientific community? Yeah, well, that first image that came off J-Dub that was presented, in fact, the president, no less, uh, shared that image with the public. Tomorrow, when this image is shared with the world, it'll be a historic moment for science and technology, for astronomy and space exploration, for America and all of humanity. It broke all the records for the most distant galaxies ever seen, the youngest galaxies ever imaged. We can see possibilities no one has ever seen before. We can go places no one has ever gone before. Those kinds of discoveries were groundbreaking, but they certainly were expected. This is why such an enormous telescope has been built, was to collect enough light so you could see tiny, faint things very, very far away. More recently, we've also seen the light from a star pass through the air of an alien world on its way to us. And that has the effect of changing that starlight ever so slightly. And in particular, you can actually measure what chemicals are in the air that is causing that change in the light. And it was a, an ability that we had 
hoped JWST would have to reveal certain chemicals in the atmosphere of these alien worlds, planets around other stars, that may indicate the presence of life. So we are hoping to detect those kinds of chemicals and those kinds of combinations that might allow us to uh, begin to, to hone in on locations that are not just potentially uh, habitable for life, but perhaps inhabited. Now, there's a lot of work to be done, but this was a really exciting first discovery that showed all our hopes for J-Dub and the ability to make those kinds of measurements are uh, warranted. It is, it is performing astoundingly well. Right. So it sounds like this telescope, then, it could help us discover whether or not there is life on other planets out there in the universe. Yeah, absolutely. This is an alien hunter. Maybe set the context a little bit. Another space telescope uh, from a few years back, uh, Kepler, it was looking uh, for occasions where a planet will pass between us and its star and block a little bit of the light. So if you see this star getting dimmer every, say, you know, 80 days, then you know you've got a planet with a year that lasts 80 days. And you can start to make um, inferences about the size of the world, how far it is from its star, and hence the temperature on that world. What we've done is now seen thousands of alien worlds. And when you run the numbers, uh, there's a few hundred billion stars in our galaxy alone. Now, thanks to Kepler and some other telescopes, we've been able to hone in on exactly how many might have a world like Earth around a star like the sun uh, and be in similar kinds of conditions. And uh, last time I did the calculation, we were sitting at about 4 billion Earth twins or Earth-like worlds around sun-like stars. So there's a lot of worlds out there. Wow. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. <laughs> and this is why we're so excited about following up with these kinds of measurements by J-Dub. Now, it's not a confirmation. There are natural geological ways that might happen. You have to rule all of those things out before you get to make that grand claim. But right now, we have the technology to detect the signatures of alien life in the atmospheres of, of distant planets. And I think that that is a truly remarkable moment uh, for humanity. And we might just need to be you know, patient for a few more years, but if it's out there, we'll be finding it sooner or later. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy. Yeah, yeah, if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
Alan, just to take a step back, it sounds like what this telescope is doing is that it's able to probe this particular time period that so far we haven't managed to get any information on because of the technology that we've had up until this point. And I believe that that time period is referred to as the cosmic dark ages. Can you tell me a bit about um, the cosmic dark ages? How long ago were they and why is it that up until now we haven't been able to really probe that error? Right. So this is a time in our universe's life where essentially the stars had not yet formed. So it was dark. There was just large clouds of gas. They were slowly falling under the gravity of uh, this mysterious component of our universe called dark matter. But this, these clouds of gas fall together, they get denser and the middle gets hotter, higher pressures, and eventually the conditions get so intense that you can smash hydrogen atoms together and you begin to have a nuclear furnace burning. In other words, you have created a star and then those stars begin to form all over the universe and over the period of a few hundred million years, they essentially light up the universe. That is this period of cosmic dawn. So the period uh, of those few stars forming and indeed you know, those kinds of first galaxies is known as the Dark Ages. So those first stars, that's one of the primary missions to see what those first stars looked like. And it was a very different universe, very uncertain physics, and we really do need these kinds of observations to test our models, to understand how you build a galaxy from essentially the Big Bang uh, onwards. And that's what the JWST is going to be focused on. Mm. And so far we've been talking about the things that JWST is designed to probe, the questions that scientists want answered and the things that might be discovered by using this tool. But there's going to be surprises, isn't there? There are things that we can't really imagine right now that this telescope is going to encounter. That's absolutely right. When you build something of the power of the capability of JW, you are going to make huge and unexpected discoveries. And it's you know, it's obviously then hard to predict, right? There's the unknown unknown. But what we can at least do is look to the example of Hubble and say, after decades of operation, of tremendous discoveries, how many of the top discoveries were actually anticipated, were part of the original mission plan for Hubble? And I think from memory, one of the top 10 were expected and, and had been planned. So nine of the top 10 discoveries of Hubble were completely unknown to science when Hubble was commissioned and launched. So that's why we're so excited with JWST. We have something even bigger, even more capable. We are so looking forward to being amazed and astounded by the discoveries, the unexpected discoveries that it makes. How do you, how do you sort of search for the unknown, the unexpected? And typically you just have to do that with a very open mind and uh, lots of grad students, right, who are very willing to trawl through the data. But I could well imagine that it isn't the you know, so-called professional astronomer who makes a lot of these most astounding discoveries because, you know, we're going to be looking for the thing that we wrote a grant to search for. And it's when the public gets their hands on that data and the tools to inquire into it that they may yet make those truly groundbreaking unknowns. Knowing that we've got this next generation facility that I've spent my entire career looking forward to now finally deployed and, and, and images being downloaded, it's kind of 
shocking to me still that, that finally the big moment has arrived. I don't know how else to phrase it. It's kind of like waiting for the World Cup and then your team's in the World Cup and, you, and you know, you're now just trying to figure out, oh, are we going to win it, right? Like that, the, the excitement is you sometimes have to pinch yourself to uh, come to the realization that you're, you know, it's not a dream. It, it actually works beautifully. It's, it's all worked, uh, worked out. And so do you think that the JWST, much like the Hubble before, it is really likely to transform our understanding of the universe and our place within it? Absolutely. It's, I think it's this search for uh, alien life, the ability to measure the first stars and, and really tell us how it is that objects like our galaxy began to grow, as well as that just that vast potential for the unknown discoveries. These are incredibly challenging questions but they're fundamental questions they are those very most basic wonderings that i hope many of us have had as we've looked up at the night sky and wondered are we alone or how did this all get there jwst is a telescope that can help us answer those fundamental questions it's a heck of a time to be an astronomer alan thank you so much for your time thank you so much Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au.